Is that what you get on Facebook and <laughs> text now? It is, isn't it? <laughs> Don't have to say it, it sums up all around. <laughs> Next thing I notice, people will be walking without thumbs. Then you'll find dog, dogs walking people with leads. That's progression. Well, here we are. Two weeks ago, uh, we started back looking at some good stuff in a letter which a man called Paul wrote to a church at Rome. It's called the Romans, to the letter to the Romans. Um, it was essentially a letter. Um, but last week we took a diversion, and because it was Pentecost Sunday, and uh, Barry spoke to us, and uh, we had time of ministry afterwards, and uh, it was good that many of us were touched and blessed by that message. Um, so there was a bit of our diversion. So we need to go back two weeks to when Steve restarted. We had been in Romans uh, last year, and now we're back in it at chapter 5. Um, if you've got Bibles or phones or whatever, iPads, then it'd be good to turn to Romans chapter 5. Barry's already read it for us, so there you go. He does that sort of thing, you know. Per coincidence. Now, after giving the message being led by the Spirit, it's not coincidence, Barry, is it? <laughs> no, of course it's not. Of course it's not. So, what was Steve speaking about when uh, a couple of weeks ago? Um, that chapter, Romans chapter 5, and we will read it in a moment, starts with these words, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have, we have a possession, we have peace with God. That's not the peace of God, which is a, an emotional thing and a, and a feeling and an understanding. This is peace. This is peace with God. Something that's been put right by Jesus. He was talking about the peace of God. Um, and then if you remember, the slide was up there. He had a picture of a mountain. And um, speaking about the trials and the difficulties of this life that we experience as Christians... Uh, they're not a fall downwards, they're a climb upwards. They're not a fall downwards, they're a climb upwards. Um, the message this morning is about reconciliation. And just to pick up a little bit on that, the fact that Christians go through times of suffering and difficulties as a part of God's plan and progress and purpose for our lives needs to be reconciled in some ways that this is of God. This is of God. And if we're new Christians, it takes some time to reconcile that happening in our lives. You've probably heard the phrase, someone say, someone up there doesn't like me. Or, why is this happening to me? Good question. But when we become believers in Jesus, we become Christians, a transformation takes place in our lives that we see things differently. We begin to see them differently. We begin to understand that they're for a purpose. 
God is doing something supernatural, miraculous, and beyond just our experience. Sometimes we don't know what it is. Sometimes later on in life we do learn what God was doing, but sometimes we may never know. There is a struggle going on in the heavenlies for you to know the liberty, the freedom, and the purpose of God on your life. And that struggle will go on until Jesus comes again. That we might know the power of the resurrection in our lives. It was only a powerful thing that happened to Jesus after he died. It was a powerful experience that we can have in our lives. That things that would be considered evil, and things that we hate, and things that we don't like to happen to us, God takes and uses it and produces something beautiful out of it. I can't spell it out for you, but for each of us it may be a different experience. But the whole purpose is that God's doing something. And so when we come to trials and difficulties in our life, we, need to, we, we must understand it's not a fall downwards, but it's a climb upwards. That's what Steve brought to us two weeks ago. We're going to concentrate on something this morning which comes up in the passage which we'll read in a minute, and it's a word called reconciliation. Barry mentioned it earlier, he read about it. It's a good Bible doctrinal word, and we may not understand. As I use the word now, you may not understand it, but don't go blank on me. If we're in Romans, it could be tough and hard work trying to understand what it's all about. Even I find difficulty, have difficulty in understanding it all and putting it all together. I will try to be engaging, I will try to be interesting, but let us learn what God wants us to know through it. In this letter to the Roman church, it contains what we might call the doctrinal gut of the gospel. Now, doctrinal gut was a, was a phrase that Michael Patillo used the other day, and I thought, hmm, that serves this passage very well. But, you know, every church throughout the whole world needs this letter. We need it this morning, not only to learn what church is and understanding how God sees his world and what God wants to do with us and how God is working out a plan through the ages and how God's going to bring everything to conclusion in the end by his almighty plan and purpose. This is the book. It, it, brings, it reconciles historical things like the Jewish nation and the rest of the world. Now, we could ask the question this morning, why is the trouble in the Middle East? What's happening there? In fact, the whole world, the whole world is trying to reconcile a situation which they cannot do, only God can do. That's happening in the Middle East today. And so we need to understand these things all need some sort of reconciliation. What's Kim Jong-un up to? What's he doing? What's Donald Trump doing? What's the other guy? Kim Moon, is it? The South Korean guy? They're all at it. In fact, the whole world's at it, trying to reconcile a situation that's very, very difficult. 
So all around us, there are situations which need to be reconciled. Nathan and Elliot are brothers aged 11 and 7. When they are at war, when they are at war, when they are at war, it actually hasn't taken very much to set the battle in motion. A look, a comment, a sneaky action, telling a tale, at that point, they're enemies. Their looks, their language, their lies, their feet, their fingers, their tongues, flying objects have become weapons of warfare. Conflict rages and hostility becomes unmanageable with no prospect of a peace settlement at that time. That's Granny's problem to sort out. But it's like that. Unmanageable. The hostility. The same two brothers this week, Nathan the elder, comes home from school and he's very sad. Something's resting on his heart, no one can tell what, until he sees his dad and he bursts into tears. It turned out only to be a little thing, but he was sad. So Elliot goes upstairs, gets a pound out of his money box, he wraps it up and he gives it to Nathan. You're sad, I want to help you. Reconciliation. One moment they're enemies, the next minute they're friends. If we've had grandchildren, or if we have children, we know exactly what that is and what that's like. And so, really, it just highlights our theme this morning, my message this morning of reconciliation. That helps us focus. It doesn't explain it from the Bible, but it helps us just to see where we're going. We're going to learning what God's idea of reconciliation is and what that means to us. So if you get your Bibles and you turn to Romans 5, we're going to read from... Although the passage we're looking at is 6 to 11, I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access, tuck that word access in the back of your mind, by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And that was the bit I was talking about. We need that Christians come to reconcile that God has a purpose through difficult experiences and suffering in our lives. Verse 3. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame 
because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for the righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, hold that in the back of your mind, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now we have been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So what is it all about? My first point is impossible possibility. You say, well, what's that all about? I don't understand what you're saying, where you're going. How can the two be reconciled, if you like? Impossible possibility. Many scholars, academics, non-believers have attempted to prove that the resurrection of Jesus was impossible. Attempts to disprove his actual death would have been the point at which you might find suitable evidence. Like, well, if he didn't really die, there would be no point of the resurrection. He, you know, he was still alive, so he wouldn't need to be come alive again. And that's the point. That being the case, I suppose that the resurrection of Jesus gives the impossible possibility. So man would, we would say, a lot of people would say, and I suppose the general thinking a lot throughout the world is that you can't have death, you can't have life after death. We went to a Hindu uh, wedding, uh, wedding funeral last week, and um, it was good to be there and have the experience. Um, a lot of it was in Gujarati, so we didn't understand it. But I sensed the person who was taking the funeral, he did a lot of work trying to convince the people that it would be all right. But there was no sense of certainty. He was actually trying to convince them through it. In fact, I sensed it was an impossible task for him to do that. And it would be an impossible task for me to convince you too. But as we look at Jesus, we see what was impossible became possible. It's important for us to focus on this impossible possibility because it reflects upon where you and I as unbelievers, thankfully a lot of us have become believers, it reflects on how we stand with God. We actually stand on an impossible possibility. In other words, it's absolutely impossible for us to reconcile ourselves to God. Impossible. It's been made possible because God sent to Jesus and he stood between us and he's now our peace. He's actually the road 
is actually the act of our reconciliation, being made right with God. So what was impossible has been made possible by Jesus, his death and resurrection on the cross. To go a little further, due to our inherited and active fallenness, God placed himself outside the reach of humanity, that's the impossibility, but then he reached out to them where he made the impossible possible. There is no possible way that you can reconcile yourself to God. No way whatsoever. That's what this letter, is what Paul is saying. This is what the doctrinal gut is of the gospel of God. Now that's contrary to a lot of general thinking in our society where we could say, well, I need to get this right before God can accept me. Well, it won't get us any closer to God. There is not one step that I can make, one breath that I can take, one thought that I can think, one waggling of the toe or whatever it might be to bring us one step closer to God. Nothing whatsoever. And it's an impossible situation, so there's no point in trying. The impossible possibility. It's outside of our thinking, outside of our doing, outside of our intellect, outside of our searching, outside of our reaching, outside of our looking, our breathing, our agreement, our consent. There is absolutely nothing outside heaven's realm that gives us the right or the potential to be able to reach back into heaven's realm and take back or grasp one possible grain of defense for my guilty state. Anything of reality for this life and eternity, any sacred sanity, any hope, if you like, it's not there. The impossible possibility is as Paul said later on, we are enemies. Now, some people might take offense at that, but without Jesus Christ, outside, we are enemies of God. You don't have to do anything to be an enemy of God outside of Jesus Christ. The impossible possibility. That impossibility, which I understand, is now made possible because Jesus has given his life and died. He died and he was raised from the dead in order that we might have life in him. Jesus broke the shackles of spiritual and physical death that we might get out, be set free, and knowing the unknowable, that means he knew things about us. He knew things that we don't understand. He knows far beyond our knowing. Knowing the unknowable, he who broke into death, and he had to break into death, he didn't just die. He wasn't just slaughtered. This was God's plan and purpose. He was sinless, so death wasn't upon him. He had to break into death so that he might break out again. The impossible possibility 
has become a reality through Jesus. In verse 6, you will read, we have just read, When we were powerless, Christ died for us. In another version, it says, When we were without strength, Christ died for us. So that means, what it means is, when I haven't got anything to give in my defence, nothing I can do, nothing I can say, when I'm empty of anything that can get me favour with God, Jesus stepped in and took my place. He took it, he did it. Without strength means you have nothing to do to get there. Nothing you can offer to get there, absolutely. This is the doctrinal gut of the gospel which is sometimes very difficult to understand. But we also learned about repentance some weeks ago and it was a change of mind. Repentance is actually now, my mind changes to see really that I haven't got anything to offer but Jesus has it all to offer. That's where the change of mind comes because in our natural state, we think we've got everything to offer. Look at me, God, I'm, I'm the best. Well, I have done this and I have done this and maybe that'll stand for good to me in the end. Maybe it'll count, no. The change of mind, the point is repentance, my mind changes at this point and it realizes I have nothing to offer, nothing to give. That's an impossible situation, but Jesus has made it possible. Hallelujah. Going on a bit further, if Christ came to reconcile the world to God, then there must be a state of separation. He did come to reconcile the world to God, that's what our passage is about. There must be alienation, there must be estrangement. One wouldn't speak of reconciling two loyal friends and trusting friends. One would not speak of reconciling two casual acquaintances. One would not speak of reconciling a man in Canterbury, Kent, with a man in Canterbury in New Zealand, because they have no relationship. Only that might name for the same names. But one does speak of reconciling a father and a son who have become estranged, a mother and daughter who have become alienated, a husband and wife who have become separated. Reconciliation can take place only between parties who have a close relationship one with another. And whether we like it or not, we are related to God. He made us in his own image. That's why there's separation. And that relationship, do you know that relationship will never end? We'll be always related to God for eternity because he made us. Have you thought of that? That relationship never changes in the fact we're related in that way. But in actual fact, we're alienated from him because a relationship exists. That relationship will always be. So reconciliation can take place only between parties who have a close relationship one with another, and that is true of man in his relationship with God. 
man has ever to do with God. You have ever to do with God. I have ever to do with God. Today, that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. Because this is doing business with God. Well, it should be. I'm here to do business with God. Fallen, stained and rebellious though we may be, by creation we're a member of God's family. This then is the condition which exists between God and man. There's a book in the Old Testament of the Bible and it's called Isaiah. It was the, the writings of a prophet and he said this, Your iniquities or your sins, all that you are, have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you. I don't really want to, I, I understand I'm laboring a point here because I do want you to understand that there's nothing that we can do to get right with God only through Jesus. Separated from God. That's why Jesus came to make reconciliation. There are two quite important passages in the Bible which reflect on this. First one is found in another letter, and it says, God was in Christ when he was dying on the cross, reconciling the world to himself. Something was going on when Jesus died that we can't understand. Something was going on so powerful that we get hold of it, it'll change our lives. Something was happening when Jesus died that is mysterious and supernatural, but it is the point in history where the change was made. When Jesus came, he gave his life. That's when God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The other message is this. The other important verse is be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. And as Paul went on to say in one of his letters, he wrote the letters, he said, we are ambassadors for this reconciliation. So this morning, I'm, an I'm a messenger of the fact that tells you, be reconciled to God. This is your opportunity today. This is the day that you can be reconciled to God through the death of his son. Do you know you don't have to do a thing to be an enemy of God? We are that. I wouldn't like to say that. That's my, my nice night to do that, but that's God's word. We, we must understand. This is where repentance comes, the change of mind to understand that I'm without strength. We are without strength. And the Bible tells us when we were without strength, Christ died for us. He was the strength. He was the way. He's opened up the way. Hallelujah. That's so amazing. No one could ever do that, only but Jesus. In Psalm 2, 
there's this. Why do the nations rage and peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take to counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. We could say that's against God and against Jesus, saying, and this is the verse, let us burst their bonds and cast them away from us. Let us cut ourselves off from God. We don't want this. And that's the, that's the active part of our world. Is it your active part? But in actual fact, you don't have to do anything. That's the nations. That's the kings of the earth. Let us cut ourselves off from God. So just as I close on this bit, there's nothing we can do. It's an impossible possibility that Jesus made. Now we can be put right with God. Now we can be reconciled to him. In this point, I want to change the whole context and the whole part of what I'm going to say because what God has done through Jesus, this, he's committed to us a message of reconciliation to the church and to the people who make up the church. And I just want to read a story, and I hope you'll stick with me here because this is amazing. God has committed us to the message of reconciliation. I've committed myself to it now in telling you that the way to be reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ, and that's the only way that we can be reconciled to him. That's the only way. He, Jesus has made the peace. That's what it said in the first verse we read. He's made the peace. Take advantage of it. Now let's change the attitude, because it's an amazing story. It's a little bit long. Joe Avila. Not too far. It's an American story. There's one or two words you use that you might not understand or be different than ours. Not too far from where I live, and this is the man speaking, there's a sign. Joe Avila says as he begins his story, and it says, please do not drink and drive. And then there's a smaller sign underneath that reads, in honor of Amy Wall. Avila pauses briefly before speaking in a firm voice. Amy Wall was a young lady that I killed in 1992 while driving drunk on the freeway. It's a shocking statement, but Avila is calm. He explains how that the tragic night was an understandable end to his life of alcoholism and addiction. And it took the life of a teenage girl. After the accident, Avila fled the scene. He does not remember that night, but he remembers what came afterwards. He was booked for the second degree murder at the Fresno County Jail. In the days that followed, he was overcome by what he had done. I was just looking for a way to kill myself, he says. I was afraid, I was angry, and I was sad. Two lives were destroyed that night. Joe Avila killed Amy Wall, but God wouldn't let their story end there. As God would have it, he put some people in my life who made me understand what reconciliation was and forgiveness was. And he explains... Avila checked into a six-month sobriety program with the Salvation Army, and a few months into the program, he came to a decision that, he w that would impact him and his family. 
and the Wall family too. Just before Easter of 1993, he entered the courthouse and changed his plea to guilty. The judge had little faith that Avila could be saved from his alcoholism. I'm sentencing you to maximum time in prison, which is 12 years, the judge ruled. And I just hope that you will change. Avila spent the next seven and a half years behind bars at California's men's colony in San Luis Obispo, California. Coming home. In prison, Avila spent his time working with hospice patients and serving in the chapel. He shared the gospel with his fellow prisoners, the highlight of his incarceration. For his last year behind bars, he was transferred to a minimum security prison where he, prepared, he was prepared for release. On January the 6th, 1999, Joe Avila went home to his family and friends. When the weekend arrived, he and his family discussed attending church on Sunday, their first time together. New Hope Community Church was waiting to welcome Avila and his family with open arms. The pastor had been preparing the congregation for my return for several months, he said. The oak trees surrounding the church had yellow ribbons around them, and there was a big banner at the entrance that said, Welcome home, Joe. And when Avila saw this, he knew that New Hope would become his home church. He's been going ever since. Not long after Avila's release, his mentor called to say that Amy's brother, Derek, wanted to meet with him. For years, Avila had prayed that God would help him reconcile with Amy's family. The first meeting with Derek was several hours long. Derek told Avila about all the things he and Amy used to do together, how much he loved her, and that he thought he had brought, and he thought Avila was a monster who should get the electric chair for what he had done. Derek also explained that his family had been following Avila's progress. They knew he was trying to make his life better. Avila told Derek something he had long wanted to say. I'm really sorry for what I've done, and I hope that someday you can forgive me. Not long after that meeting, Avila's mentor called again to say that Rick Wall, Amy's father, wanted to meet him too. Avila had a long meeting with Rick. Rick told him about two days a year when he visits Amy's grave on her birthday and the anniversary of her death. During that meeting, something miraculous occurred. Rick Wall, Amy's father, forgave me before I even asked him to forgive me. Avila said, Rick told him, Joe, I know what you've been doing for a long time now, even when you were in prison, and I approve of it. Avila's prayers for reconciliation were being answered. He next met with Amy's mum who asked him to watch a three-hour video of Amy's life before their meeting. I really got to know Amy that night, he said, and how precious she was, and what a tragedy happened when I took her life. I killed his daughter, and he was able to give me a hug and say, I love you. Avila admits it was painful to seek forgiveness from the walls, but he knew God would use the situation for his glory if he did. His relationship with the Wall family continued to grow 
and both Avila and Derek were asked to participate in the Restorative Justice Council event in front of hundreds of people. Reconciliation. The church has a message of reconciliation to give to this world. It could be a husband and a wife. It could be a brother and a sister or a brother or a brother. It could be a friend or it could be a past spouse of yours that you need to make some reconciliation with just to say I'm sorry. But the whole point about it is that God, if God has forgiven us in Christ, that responsibility is on us to forgive others too. That's the message of reconciliation. So, who have you been gossiping about? Who aren't you talking to? Who have you had a war with? The whole point about, just, just think about it. There could be possibly some point in your life that you need to make some, or I even to make some reconciliation with because it's God's message of reconciliation. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to each other. Let's learn with difficulty what it means to demonstrate this in situations in which we face. So our experiences aren't a fall downwards, they're a climb upwards. They're a move towards the eternal glory which God has given us in Christ Jesus. I finished there, but I just want to ask you, we just, we've got a song, or we could just stand in a moment just to, just to sing, or something that you feel that you want to say, do, or to be prayed for. God's, God's calling for an end of hostilities today. It can be transforming, it can be liberating, but God's calling for an end to hostilities this morning. To remain an enemy of God today, you simply do nothing. But to know peace with God, you could just step up the front here and say, I want to take Jesus now. God commands all men everywhere to repent. You say, well... What do I do? I don't really understand. It doesn't matter. That's a command from God. He's commanded us to repent. So we just do what he says. That's just one way of looking at it. So it may be for you to remain an enemy of God. Today you simply do nothing. But you can change that. It may be your marriage relationship. Something needs to be reconciled today. Settled. Doesn't matter who's in the wrong but it does matter to do the right now. Let's stand, shall we? Let's sing this. Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit amongst us, would uh, you just do business with us at this point in time? You, you have the freedom to step forward today and receive the salvation. That's all it takes. And someone will pray with you. Or if you just want prayer about a situation, you're amongst friends just to receive God's grace and help, just to do something about it. In Jesus' name, thank you.
is the Lord and most worthy of praise. The city of our God, the holy place. The joy of the victory He aids us against the enemy We bow down on you Lord, do we want to lift your name on Lord, we want to lift your name on high Lord, we want to thank you for the works you've done in our lives. And Lord, we trust in your unfailing love. For you alone are God eternal throughout earth and heaven above. Let's sing again. Great is the Lord. The city of our God, the holy place, the joy of the whole earth. is the Lord in whom we have the victory. He aids us against the enemy. We are down on our knees. And Lord, we want to lift your name on high. And Lord, we want to thank you for the works you've done in our lives and Lord we trust in your unfailing love for you alone are God eternal throughout heaven above and Lord we want to lift your name on high and Lord we want to thank you for the works you've done in our lives and Lord we trust in you unfailing love for you alone are God eternal throughout earth and heaven above for you alone are God eternal throughout earth and heaven above. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Lift your name on high, Jesus. 
Can I just uh, 